Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. I'm here with my frozen teammate, partner in mission, Mary Guilfoyle. How are you doing, Mary? Father John, I'm thawing out. Thank you for installing the new fireplace in the podcast studio. I love it. It's actually on the table in the <laughs> podcast studio. So if people are hearing that humming... Um, Sorry about that, but we're actually alive today because of it. So uh, yeah, we pray your beautiful. indulgence. Mary, we got a, uh, I, I know a topic that's near and dear to your heart. Uh, what's the title? So we want to talk about Jesus's ordinary way of healing can be ours. Oh, I love this. This is going to be really good, I think. So uh, take us in, Padre. Let's pray, shall we? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for uh, the blessing of this day, this chance that we have right now to reflect on how it is that you went about your ordinary way of healing people, how you continue to go about that, and how that you invite us to be instruments in your hands to continue that work of healing those around us uh, who are in need. So we just ask for your anointing on our conversation right now that it would be encouraging, inspiring, and practical for all of us. We ask it all in your great name, Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. All right, so maybe I can share a quick story. This is, as I was praying about the um, this episode, I had dinner the other night with some friends, and uh, right before we were eating, we were just talking about um, small groups is the easiest way to talk about mm-hmm. this. So um, one of the women there is leading, um, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven... I think junior high girls through one of Lisa Brinnickmeyer's books. Praise I think it's God. Uh, Beloved, maybe? Is that what it is? I think it's Blaze. Blaze. That's exactly what it is. Sorry. So uh, she was just talking about it and just the extraordinary fruit that she's seen, you know, just like um, reaching out to friends of one of her daughters and inviting them to be a part of this. And she was describing how, you know, like prayer is a part of this, as you would know so well, and they were first doing it in I think the first week and it was, you know, like a lot of laughter and the kids are feeling really awkward. And now they're in, I don't know, like week four or five and the, the girls like take off at a certain point and they're, they're really praying with each other and they're getting into some significant things, which is, she's just kind of overjoyed by obviously at the same time, one of the brothers there, another friend was talking about, he's just got a passion for leading um, men's ministry. And so I don't know, he's, he, he's started up, probably a dozen groups of guys over the years. And it was sharing similar kinds of things, just the richness of conversation, prayer, fellowship that's happening. And we were just all observing with one another. This is just not normal. This isn't the normal interaction that we have with one another. And yet we're starved for it. We don't know how to do it oftentimes. And uh, most importantly for this episode, oftentimes we're, we're looking for the parish to start something when in fact the the best place to do these kinds of things is in a home, home. right? So that's, that's the story that came to mind. So I love talking about this because much like um, uh, the folks that you were with, who I know very well, um, I did the same thing for years. Our, our home was open for fellowship all the time. You name the study, we did it. And there's something about just knowing that that threshold of a home, that front door or that side door. And as you press into community, it now becomes the back door. The doors just open. 
it's a much easier threshold to cross than coming into a parish depending upon where people are. And number two, parishes, I think, have yet, I I know a lot of parishes that do this well, but I know more parishes that don't do it well. They don't know how to do small group community, and people want to be part of a community. They love being part of a church, but you can get lost in a big church. And the parish is designed to be a community of communities. Why? Because we want to be known, and we're looking for authentic friendship. We're hungry for that. And so just the natural human dynamic that happens in a small group in a home is what we're all dying for. Right. And so if our parishes aren't offering that, we can we can hopefully coach people into doing that. Yeah, and we don't need the parish to offer it at the end of the day, right? I mean, we really, and, and, and it shouldn't be there. The, the parish can be for other things. It's, it's great the parishes are doing all sorts of stuff, but sooner or later, things have to get out of the parish walls and into people's homes where it's much more intimate, it's more familiar, and friendships can actually develop and, and mature, right? It's hard to have friends with hundreds of people. Right, I couldn't agree more. And oftentimes, if your small group communities do start in a parish, they eventually have to go into the homes yeah. because they spiritually multiply yeah. over time. And I remember when you and I were, um, I was serving you in parish ministry, and uh, we invited all the Bible studies that were meeting on campus to move into the homes. They grew. Right. They, they pushed back at first, and then it was like, oh, we oh, don't want to move totally back. We totally love this. Yeah, we don't want to go back to, like, the sterility of the parish context. And and we want to get people to understand, right, like, the your home should be a normal place for evangelization in all its phases. In fact, as you're talking about all the ways that you did this uh, and continue to do this over the years, I'm just thinking back. I, I never thought of my mom and dad as leading small groups because that that expression wasn't even around back then, at least that I'm aware of. But from, you know, my early childhood on, say like the mid seventies on, um, that's exactly what my mom and dad were doing. Their home was always open. My mom ran a Bible study in her house once or twice a week for women at lunch. My mom and dad had people over pretty regularly and it was very informal. It was a lot like a friend of ours down in, in Memphis, Tennessee, our brother Bish and his wife, Julie, right? Who they just have the art of inviting people into their home mm-hmm. for, for fellowship, for food, for laughter, you know, for drinks, but at a certain point, there's a there's a really intentional moment Shift. where we've now we're moving into uh, substantive conversation, right? So let me I just I just want to add one more thing. Just talking about I was thinking about your mom and dad actually, as I was talking about what we've done in our home. We talk about all day, every day that we're made for mission. Our homes That's are right. made for mission. That's right. That's yeah. I mean that I mean that's where we can live out. Our call, yeah, right. And as we're going to see, as we look at uh, at Jesus's life uh, in the in the podcast episode topic, um, there's a great reflection in Mark's gospel that can help us get into that. So maybe just contextualize this a little bit, real quick. So we're in the middle of the editing of the rescue project, which we're immensely excited it's be about. So cool. So um, 4PM Media is doing these. um, It's in their hands right now. We've seen the first episode. We absolutely love it. Please continue to pray for them, for inspiration, for creativity, for God's anointing, that this would be a means by which many people can be overwhelmed by the gospel, moved to surrender, really get mobilized for mission. But uh, concurrent with these videos that we already recorded are some other videos that you're about to record or at least take the lead on, right? which are really equipping videos. And and whether or not they're used for the rescue project or not, 
they're incredibly helpful because they're really trying to teach people about what we're, Small what we're talking about right now, how yeah, to do all, this, right? All the principles are the same no matter what experience you you want to launch into, whether it's a book study or a small group video series or something like that. And, and these things are, are just painfully urgent right now, aren't they, with the pandemic? Well, you know, I think it's actually, when you talk about a target-rich environment for opening up your home and moving, because parishes still aren't quite where we want them to be in terms of opening them up, I, I think I said this to you, Father John, two years ago now, our homes are going to be a place to do ministry mm. and we yep. need to be equipped to do that. And to be clear, for those who aren't comfortable getting together yet, I mean, you can do this by, we've all learned to live by Zoom. I mean, it, so if, if you have to do that right now, if you're really concerned about, you know, being infected or infecting others, then, then there's ways to do this. But the point is to get into smaller communities right? Because this is how we do life. And there's, we're made for communion. We're made for friendship. We're made for love. Life without these things is meaningless. And we have in men and women both right now, a massive friendship deficit. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me, right? That we actually have to teach people how to do this. We have to teach people how to invite, how to open up their homes. But I was thinking about, you know, you mentioned the isolation that we've been living in. Um, there's a lot of ministries that you and I have great respect for who have made a concerted effort, even if it's virtual, to bring community into chaos, mm. to bring meaning into things that just quite don't make sense. Like nothing makes sense right now. The world seems to be turned upside down. And to the degree, whether it's virtual or in person, that we can come together call it whatever you want. I call it friends, friends leading friends, friends walking together towards a deeper intimacy with Jesus Christ. Whatever you call it, we need one another. And I said this the other day in a conversation that we had in our in our um, conference room. If we don't come together, the world will crush us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right? So let's let's get into this passage. So we want to just really quickly, we want to we want to talk about a an excerpt in the Gospel of Mark. It was actually the Gospel from this uh, past Saturday. Right. And you and I and our team, we've been reading, um, when it, once it came out, there's a tremendous new translation and commentary on the Gospel of Mark. It's called The Memoirs of St. Peter. It's fantastic. By a guy named uh, Michael Pakulik. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but... He has one on John, too, which is good, but I don't find it as rich as this one. Um, this is just an extraordinary, both translation and commentary. And what he tries to do is he tries to give you a sense, because Mark's gospel, we've always understood, is is basically dictated by Peter. So Peter would have preached this. Mark would have finally put it to paper. And what um, the translation does is it recaptures what it must have been like for Peter to preach this. So there's just a... Like a, uh, you have the sense of not reading something, but of hearing somebody talking to you. So I want to read his translation uh, that we had from the gospel last Saturday of the call of Levi or Matthew. And then right. I want to read this commentary. And then I, w- I just want you to, to weigh in on this and reflect and to lead us, really, because you excel at this, as to, okay, how can we do very practically what Jesus is doing here and just build upon some of the things that you've already said. Does that sound like Take a plan? Take us away, Padre. Right, so, so this is Mark chapter 1. Um, uh, actually, excuse me, it's chapter 2. And it's uh, starting in verse 14. So here's the translation, the way he translates it. 
He was traveling along and saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his desk in the customs house. And he says to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him. So he's reclining at table in his house. Now, many tax collectors and many public sinners used to recline at table with Jesus and his disciples. They were many in number and they were among his followers. So some scribes who belong to the party of the Pharisees, when they see that he is eating with public sinners and tax collectors, had a word with his disciples about it. Why does he eat with tax collectors and public sinners? So Jesus overhears this and says to them, it's not the strong who need a physician, but the infirm. I have not come to call righteous men, but sinners. So that's the passage that's, that gives you a flavor too mm-hmm. for, for how this guy translates it. Now listen to what he says, because I remember we were reading this, I think at the same time, we were praying with this, this was a, would have been a year ago going right. through this passage. And I think we both just reached out and said, have you read the commentary yet? Because this is unreal. Amazing. Like this is a, this was just a so lightning bolt. real. So this is what yep. he says. He's commenting on the passage uh, when Jesus says, it's not the strong who need a physician. So this is what he says. Jesus likens himself to a physician. A physician whose method of healing is spending time with people. This is remarkable. That's what he says. That's not what I'm saying right now. This is what he says. This is remarkable. His method of healing is spending time with people. He has accomplished many healings instantaneously and miraculously. These healings, as we have seen also stand for spiritual healings. But now he is apparently saying that his ordinary means for spiritual healing is befriending people and conversing with them. You could, you could offer a two-day retreat on that conversation alone. That's this beautiful. is so good, right? I mean, it, and, and so this is how the Lord... What's the wound? The wound, right, for almost all of us is I'm rejected, I'm not loved, I don't measure up, I'm not good enough, I'm not part of, I'm a part from. from. Totally. And the Lord here in the middle of men and women who are considered outcasts, beyond repair, uh, damaged beyond all, um, all salvation, he's right there in the midst of them enjoying their company. And as I think Frank Sheed said in one of his books, these are people who are enjoying his, his company, company, and these are people who are very easily bored. It's and reciprocal. They can't get enough of Jesus. Yeah, it's reciprocal. And keep in mind in that scene, too, you have the Pharisees at the window looking in just like devastated, like, what are you doing right. with these people? So the Lord's ordinary way of healing, certainly he does extraordinary things, like he, he says to the leper, be healed, and boom, he's healed. He raises Lazarus from the dead. But his ordinary way of bringing healing into people's lives is something that you and I can be an extension of on a daily basis by imitating what the master does. And what the master does is he just sits at table with people. And what Jesus does, what I love about everything you just said, it's human. Right. We're made to be able to do this. So I love this passage. There's so much to unpack here. But the, what, 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 what I'm, what I'm seeing like in my image, so the image, I'm just, I'm going to be really honest, the image I have is the way The Chosen oh, yeah. does this. It's just forever. So I, I don't know what episode that is, but you guys could find it if you, if you uh, looked hard enough. But there's, it's almost as if Jesus, so Jesus says, you know, they, they, they need healing. 
They're sick. They need a physician. Jesus is making a house call. The people that are sitting around that table otherwise would not have access right. to Jesus' healing power. Right. And if we don't invite people into our home, and not the usual suspects, right. people are going to hear about Jesus and his healing power and the good news of Jesus Christ if we invite them. The second thing that I'm thinking about in just that human, you know, you know that, that human texture that this passage is, um, what you and I have is time. Mm. We have yeah. a lot of time. What we do with that, um, sometimes we don't make good use of our time, but um, a, a beautiful uh, writer once said that time is the currency of friendship. And you talk about it all the time, you know, wasting time with friends, like the good folks you were with a couple nights ago. Um, wasting time with friends. Got a lot more time now than I'm doing Exodus 90, that's for sure. <laughs> and it's only day one. And we're having water but, but and here's, bread. <laughs> yeah, and, and to be clear, right, I mean, we're, we're not the divine physician. We're also in need of healing. But the Lord wants to heal through us. And one of the ways that we can do that mindful that we're always in need of healing ourselves, is to invite people over, right? And so, and, and we're healed, though, when we help heal others. Sure. Right? I mean, we're not all that. I mean, none of us. I mean, you don't have to be, you don't have to be 100% um, to invite people to your home or to lead people to the Lord, because it's when we're leading people to the Lord, we to ourselves are healed. So do this right now. Maybe, maybe like pick a book. I'm thinking like the Christian cosmic narrative, right? So we just published this. I'm not suggesting it because we just published it, but maybe you can share a comment from uh, our newest no, it's so, it's, family and team member on it. So just use that maybe as an example. And then how can somebody like go about I'm going to start something in my home. Walk us through this because yeah. you do it so well. Well, um, so back to your comment about this spectacular book, The Christian Cosmic Narrative, which has just um, changed our lives. And the people that are reading it, we're hearing from them. And um, one, of the, one of our beautiful new sisters who's joined our Acts 29 mission, uh, Lauren, had this to say. She texted us the other day. She said, the Christian Cosmic Narrative is the book I've been waiting to read my entire life, but I didn't even know existed. So many questions of mine have been answered from this book already, and I'm just halfway through. What I loved about what she said is this, Father John, she said, so many questions of mine have already been answered. And that's what happens when we come together in community. We have a safe, comfortable place of friendship where we can have our questions answered. And clearly the Lord's going to be speaking, you know, as like Lauren's reading this book on her own, the Lord is mediating that. But our learning and our experience can grow even deeper if we do that together in community. So, you know, let's say, you know, Lauren's loving this book, okay? And Lauren says, I want everybody to share my experience of this book. So how would Lauren invite someone to her home? Well, maybe, maybe the first thing that Lauren might do is she might pray, like, Lord, who are you asking me to invite to my home to share this goodness, to have their questions answered, to have the experience that I'm having? And, you know, sometimes what we do, and it's great, I mean, we typically go to that close group of friends, and, and, and that's awesome to be able to do that, people that you have something in common with. But oftentimes the people that God might be asking us to invite might be the people that aren't even in our contact list. They may not be in a text thread, a regular text thread. So pray about who God might be inviting you Let to. Let me just jump on that real quick. Cause, because, so that's, I can't agree more with that. For those of us who've never done it, start with your friends. That's what I would suggest. Like start with your friends because if you've never done something like this before, you know, because they're like you are, we're longing to talk about substantive things. We just need like, 
um, a material that opens up the opportunity for us to do it. For those of us who've done like these things before in the past, get outside your contact list, but I want to push you to get your friends first. Great point, Father John. Anyway, so then, and, and then extend the invitation. And it, it doesn't have to be really creative. It just be, hey, you know, we're going to get together for like six weeks. And we'd love to have you come to our home for a couple hours on a Friday night or you're free. It's going to be a meal, a book study, and conversation. Really low threshold. Meal, book study, conversation. And then just start thinking about now, like, how can I make my home a home of welcome? One of the things that uh, doing small gr- group ministry in your home um, causes us to do is kind of clean up our homes a little bit so we can get ready for that guest. Yeah, so, or at least that that's how it was for me when I was having, you know, a bunch of folks over to do small group ministry. Find that vacuum cleaner. <laughs> but make it a point, right, right, to make your home be beautiful and inviting. And it doesn't have to be perfect because if it's too perfect, people may not come back. They're going to think like you totally can't relate to the mess that is my home exactly. you know, behind the front door. But anyway, try to make it be beautiful and welcome, welcoming. And then just have some food. And, and I, I would say... Unless you're doing Exodus 90. <laughs> <laughs> this is post... This is after Easter. This is after the tomb is empty. And get together and have some great food. Absolutely. Right? Um, really low-key. And then start just opening up the book. And, and maybe what you do, if you've got a group of six or eight people, just you lead and you open with prayer. And just ask the Lord to come to help lead that study, to anoint our minds, you know, that that this conversation would be a blessing to those that are there. And then just maybe you as the leader, you you lead, right. you open it up. Yep. And you're like, what hit you? Like, like what stands out the most? What hit you the most? What impacted you the most? What stayed with you? What, what did you have trouble with? What questions do you have? But key up some, you know, j- just some low threshold questions and then just invite people to speak into that, right? And just, just a normal conversation. And I would also say too, right? If these are your friends, everyone's going to be gabbing. But just be real careful not to, you don't want to make someone feel like they have to, you know, that they have to weigh in and share or weigh in. But the bottom line is just to create space for everyone to weigh in, um, to weigh in. And then you close the night out. Right. You know, I, it's it's as simple as, it's as simple as p- having people over on a Friday night to do what it is you do. You're just integrating something some deep, rich conversation into the night. Yeah, just two quick thoughts as we close. You know, one is that you, you, you're talking about prayer and uh, I can't stress enough the, the impact that it has on people when, we, when they hear us pray. So something as simple as just from your heart, you know, like don't, don't find like the book of prayers and pick out a prayer, like just pray out loud. It's unbelievable to me. This is such a normative part of our life. It's not in almost anybody else's life. And so when somebody hears you pray, there's a, there's a hunger, right? It's, it's like the apostles listening to Jesus pray. They're like, can you teach us how to do that? In fact, somebody asked you that the other day. Like, how did you learn how to pray? And so just the power of us speaking to the Lord, however fumbling we might be. Like, we, sometimes we can get preoccupied with, gosh, I hope this sounds good. Don't worry about that. Just pray. Talk to the Lord and ask him really simply to come, be present, inspire the conversation, have fun, whatever. So that part, that that prayer is so important. And for you to have the courage to lead is massively impactful on the people who are there. The second thing is just, you mentioned uh, these are our friends, so we'll probably be gabbing. And yet I'm thinking of uh, this dinner I had again the other night, and one of the guys was just saying, 
as we were sitting around the table having a rich conversation, people don't do this. Most people don't have rich conversation. We talk about, especially men, we talk about sports. Or right now we're talking about things which are catching our eye, like politics. Mm -hmm. Or we're talking about the virus. But to actually have meaningful conversation is not normal anymore in people's lives. That's one of the tragedies. And it's one of the reasons why um, the woman who's leading this small group with the junior high students, she's so thrilled because they're actually having meaningful conversations right now. And they're realizing, I have a hunger to talk about this stuff, but I didn't know how to do it. And same for men same, all the time. Same, same for, for women, right? Same for adults. And so the, the beauty of a book, say in this case, The Christian Cosmic Narrative, it gives you something substantive, which is very engaging. To, it's almost like kindling for the, the fire that is the conversation that you want to get started. And so you don't have to worry about somebody being really profound. You can just say, hey, maybe you read an excerpt from the chapter and just go, Hey, let's just talk about this right now. And so what it does is it teaches us how to get into the habit of these conversations, which tragically we have lost the art of doing, right? I don't, uh, there's so much there. We, we could have a conversation about prayer, teaching people how to pray, just conversationally, really simple, so people feel like they can jump in and they can pray. We can talk about all the meaty things that we could talk about, and there's so much rather than the headlines. We could talk about um, the absolute necessity for authentic friendship, especially for young girls, young men, marriages, husbands, wives. We could talk about hospitality. We could talk about how do you invite? How do you, how do you teach people to invite? You can talk about the dynamics of small group ministry. We can talk about all of those kinds of things. Those are other, those are other topics perhaps for the future, but these are the kinds of things that we want to model for people and teach them how to do in the Rescue Project equipping videos so that all of us feel comfortable diving in and at least starting somewhere and to recognize, and I'm going to quote, a, I think I've shared this before when we've had conversations. Um, I came across a book several years ago now in ministry. I think the title is something like The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Our homes were designed to be opened up to minister to others. And, and, and back to something that you said about, you know, inviting the usual suspects, you know, that, that may be the case, but it's interesting. There are men and women out there who have the gift of, they're, they're very relational. And you may just have met someone two weeks ago and that person might be on your heart. And even if that person isn't close to you yet, invite them. Some people are just dying to be invited. Mm. And so if the Lord does lay someone on your heart who's not someone that you're familiar with, but you know is open to conversations, invite them in. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and just realize, that, again, this is Jesus's ordinary way of doing this. And he lets us broken and fragile and stupid, at least in my case, and selfish and whatever as we are, be the ordinary ways by which he continues that ministry. So pray this week about whether or not the Lord's asking you to be a means by which he can help bring his healing into other people's lives. And along the way, that's going to bring greater healing into your life as well. And of course, as always, do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this.